Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. If you're a guest today, we're so happy to have you. Um, we have restrooms in the back and bulletins in the front, and um, we'll tell you what we're doing um, throughout the service. I think we have a nice service uh, planned for you today. I'm going to call uh, the scouts forward for our good news of the week, and I'm going to um, tell you some other things while they are coming. Um, Bobby McQuaid starts her series tonight at 6 p.m. For uh, Bob McQuaid has been teaching us uh, for a period of time, and now Bobby's going to start teaching us. They showed me the other day that they've got it planned out through the end of the academic year, and uh, it's good stuff. It's going to be really fun. Uh, you can go up to the top one. Um, it's it's going to be really fun classes on Sunday nights. Um, so Mark Green in the back is our um, Troop 107 scout leader. Troop 107 meets in the Stone House here. Y'all might already know that. Um, but they're right here. We also have a cub uh, group that's coming up, and our good news of the day is... My service project was very successful due to your support. We collected over 3,500 pounds of donations for Goodwill. Your generosity provided a scholarship for someone to earn a certified nursing assistance credential. With the support of United of Memorial United Methodist Church, I was able to earn my eagle in September. Thank you for your continued support of 3.7. So we had two Eagle Scouts just recently uh, in our troop, and I hope our um, in my time here our relationship continues to get stronger and more vital uh, with Troop 107. Um, we also have, as I said, a Cub Scout troop that's coming up as well. Katie, um, have you come up and talk about pumpkins and all things fun about the fall? And while Katie's coming, um, I'll tell you that Thursday, Tuesday night, uh, you can see in your bulletin, we have an open meeting about the um, state of our budget as to uh, what we have done and what we need to do going forward. Uh, two meetings at 5 and 7 will be the exact same meeting um, to prepare us uh, for the remainder of the year. Good morning. I'm Katie Jeter, and I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. I hope you saw that our pumpkins arrived this week. I want to thank all of those who helped us unload the pumpkins and get our patch set up. We've had a great week, although we did get rained out yesterday. Um, feel free to stop by the pumpkin patch today, or our hours are from 4 to 6 every afternoon this week. Also, I want to make sure you know that our Fall Carnival and Trunk or Treat is coming up on Sunday the 25th. We'll start at 5 o'clock in the Family Life Center with games and a hayride and dinner. And then at 6.30, we'll move outside for trunk or treat. There are a couple ways you can help. We would love for you to bring your best chili to provide dinner. We're going to set up a chili bar. And then we'll have chicken and chips for the kids. And you can also bring nut-free candy or small prizes to my office or the church office to help with the carnival games. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Ralph Johnson is your lay leader, represents you at every meeting that we have, which is a lot. You may not be aware of it, but, um, and I wasn't until this week, but uh, the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and today is Pastor Appreciation Sunday. 
Joe and Katie and their children have only been here for about four months, but uh, I think you'll agree there's been a dramatic change. You can see here in the sanctuary the number of folks that are here today, and we had a full house at the 9 o'clock service as well. Uh, there's an excitement in the air of uh, great things to come for Memorial in the community. So with that in mind, the SPRC uh, is headed up by Wayne Rhodes, who I see is conspicuously absent, <laughs> has asked me to present a token of appreciation to uh, Katie and Joe. And if you'll recall, several weeks ago, Joe's sermon was about intentional hospitality and, and we've been talking about that a pretty good bit but anyway he told us a story about going to a restaurant here in town uh, that was empty except for the employees and the employees there at best were unwelcoming and at worst downright rude and the food wasn't too good either according to Joe um, well when Wayne called me and suggested that we get Joe and Katie a gift certificate for a nice restaurant I knew just where to go <laughs> in the end I was talked out of it instead I have a, a we have given them a gift certificate for a wild night on the town at a strip club um, Actually, it's the strip club. So if you appreciate what they've accomplished uh, thus far since they've been here, and uh, then I hope you'll offer their, your encouragement to them and let them know how much you approve of uh, where we're headed. Thank you, Ralph. This is the you can go ahead, Don. Uh, this is the biggest time of the year, both what we're planning and what's coming. So there's a number of announcements. Don Lewis is from the foundations class. They have a great project that's already been done a number of years. I was going to speak from Joe's level, but he directed <laughs> me to come up here. Uh, Twenty years ago, the uh, young adults class had an idea to teach their kids how thankful they should be, and the idea was to deliver food boxes at Thanksgiving to families who were in need. And so they got names from the, the teachers at the schools in Greer, elementary schools, and from guidance counselors, and started trying to raise money to do that. $20 a box then to put a family into a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, 20 years later, young adults class is called the Foundations class. And 20 years later, costs $40 instead of $20 to feed a family for Thanksgiving. So we invite you as the Foundations class to help us feed 60 families at Thanksgiving, families with children, families that have been identified by the elementary and, and guidance counselors at the schools by helping us raise the money to put together these 60 boxes for $40 a box. And we also invite you uh, to use that opportunity to teach your children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews what they should be thankful for by coming out and helping us fill the boxes the Sunday before Thanksgiving and delivering them on that afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Multiple sources have confirmed that there is not a revolt in the choir. There's just a number of different obligations that the family is going. So, uh, Ms. Margie, Don, they're going to carry us. Lauren, they're going to carry us through this service today and get us ready. So, um, the only thing I'll tell you about the service is that the scripture passage has changed the first scripture lesson. And we've done that in order to allow Don to get from the piano to the organ in a reasonable amount of time to give him a little more space. So, let's uh, turn our hearts to the Lord.
Father, we bring heavy burdens with us this morning from the workplace, from our homes, from our responsibilities in this church. We're grateful for the rain that you've given us, but so, so sorry for the people who have experienced far too much. And while we know that it's not within your will for humans to suffer, we know that suffering comes just the same. Help us, Lord, to learn of the relentless faith and pursuit of your will that Paul had as we read the text. Help us to celebrate and sing with one another. Help us to reflect in prayer that we may understand your will for us this day and this week to come. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you are able for our first hymn, number 145.
Let us affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. We'd have our children come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. everybody have y'all ever raced anybody like in a foot race yeah you have we probably all have it sometimes so what is something that if you were having a race with somebody what is something you could do that would slow you down or mess you up Okay, so we need to get our sleep and we need to eat good to be able to run fast. What else could mess us up during the race? If we were having, if two of us were having a race right down that center aisle right there, what if we tripped and fell? That would mess us up. Yeah. What if we looked behind us to see how far the person that we were racing was to us? That could mess us up, right? So that's what I'm thinking about this morning. One thing that could really slow us down if we were having a race is if we stopped or slowed down to look behind us and see where the person that we're running against was compared to us. Because we're spending our energy and time looking where we have been instead of where we need to go to finish the race. And then we're losing sight of the finish line that's up there in front of us because we're not looking at it anymore. Well, Paul actually talks about this in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, I want to read that to you. We're going to read it again in a little while. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, pressing on toward the goal. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward 
in Christ Jesus. So Paul is talking about pressing on toward a goal or winning a race. He knows that he hasn't won yet, but he says he's still in the race trying to win the prize. Have you ever been in a race trying to win a prize? So he says that we have to forget what's behind us, forget what was in our past, and reach for what's ahead of us, reach for the future. So in other words, he doesn't look back. He knows he can't look back. If there's something that he didn't do in the past, that doesn't matter right now, right? It's just reaching for the things that are ahead, that are yet to come. So can you think of something that you haven't done in the past that you should have done? Is there anything? Maybe we didn't listen to our parents or our teachers, and we know we should have done that. What else is something we haven't done in the past that we know we should do? Can you think of anything? What about reading our Bible more? Inviting our friends to church more? Being a better friend? We can probably all think of something. So I want you to think about maybe a goal that you could have for yourself. And don't look back. If you haven't done it in the past, just think about doing it from here on out. Can you think about that with me this morning and this week? Okay. Close your eyes. Let's say a prayer this morning. Will you repeat after me? Dear God, help us remember to always look ahead and press on toward the prize. We know we have a prize in you. Amen. Thanks, guys. Jesus, the mere mention of his name can calm the storm, heal the broken, raise the dead. At the name of Jesus, I've seen sin-hardened men melted, derelicts transformed, 
the lights of hope put back into the eyes of a hopeless child. At the name of Jesus, hatred and bitterness turn to love and forgiveness. Arguments cease. I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious from fever, and I've watched that little body grow quiet and the fevered brow cool. I've sat beside a dying saint, her body racked with pain, who in those final fleeting seconds summoned her last ounce of ebbing strength to whisper the earth's sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it. Yet still, it stands. And there shall be that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race shall raise in one great mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ah, so you see, it was not mere chance that caused the angel one night long ago to say to a virgin maiden, his name shall be called Jesus. 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 You know, there is something about that name. Let us pray. Gracious God, we adhere to certain indicators of success and we apply them to this Christian life and we grow discouraged when those indicators fail us. Because there is simply nothing like this pursuit of your will. At times a tremendous crowd is a good thing and at times it is not a good thing. At times being on an individual journey is a good thing and at times it's better to be in a group. At times the results will not come close to the effort in our minds. 
and according to the prefixed indicators. Lord, as we read the text, as we understand Paul's sacrifice, which is made in the name of your sacrifice, I invite you to welcome us all to the conversation of sacrifice in your name. As we read your text today, as we understand your will, and as we understand the skill set that you have placed inside of us, we hope that you will bring it all together, that we may use it. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings, and if you'll pass the attendance register as we do that. And today is the last day to sign up for our first uh, Exploring Membership class. If you would like to do that, please put your name and a way to contact you.
Please be seated. First scripture reading this morning is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Living sacrifices. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please stand as you're able for our second hymn, number 397.
Please be seated. Today we continue in a series uh, of our book, The Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations, written by a bishop from the, from the Midwest, Bishop Snazy. Uh, last week we talked about intentional faith development. What are you doing in between Sundays so that Sundays are a celebration of what you've learned, what you've done, how you've studied, how you've built relationships with one another. And today we talk about that again with a different angle. The first quote of the day is, Congregational leaders that practice intentional faith development carefully consider the full life cycle of members and look for ways the church forms faith at every stage. They look for gaps and opportunities and unmet needs to round out their ministries. They ask themselves if their ministry is sufficient, full, helpful, and effective. This is one of the more difficult things to determine. What is it that our people need? What is it that they want to learn? When is it that we should offer it? Where should we offer it? Should it be for people who are here? Should it be for people who are not here? In churches that are struggling to figure out, I don't mean um, uh, not being able to figure it out, but striving to figure it out, are churches that are reaching out to the community. So all the biblical characters uh, had interesting lives. Some of them had very short lives, while others had very long lives. They almost all had tremendous highs and devastating lows. And these highs and lows were the result of their behavior, the behavior of those around them, and the behavior of God. And of all the major biblical characters, Paul's journey is one of the most fascinating the scripture that we have today is a letter that he wrote to the people at Philippi, likely from prison. He's in prison because he simply refuses to stop talking about Jesus, what he did, and what he hoped for for humanity. And the people who have put him in prison have done so in hopes of squashing any further sharing of the message of Jesus. The exact same reason that they tried Jesus and crucified him, hoping that this would scare everyone else and that this um, would end. So you think about your typical prisoner. They've done a fairly serious crime, if not a very serious crime. They've got all kinds of time to themselves. They've got time to reflect on their actions, on their family, on what they would do, were they to leave. And I would think every day they have the threat of harm. Even uh, modern prisons have the threat of the harm of those around them. And we, uh, in certain states, have the threat of killing them. And especially in Paul's time, if you're in prison, and you're in prison for this reason, it can be a very, very dark time. But in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that uh, potential for fear, Paul writes this letter to these people. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So when someone thinks that you've done something wrong or you're pinned up, you have no chance of getting out, you generally think that well, everything that you did was everything that you could have done and what you did was correct. And I would think if you were pinned up in prison, you would think, well, I did my best, but this is the end of it. Paul does neither of those things. 
He says, I don't know every answer. I haven't attained every goal. And I won't stop, even though I'm in prison. And I expect that as you receive this letter, as you have ups and downs in your life, you can be encouraged by the fact that I, even in prison, and I, even in my knowledge and understanding of Scripture, am still trying to learn. See, because Paul isn't simply just an expert in what Jesus did. He was an expert in what their Bible was before there was a Jesus. A total expert in the law. And in his expertise, in his understanding of what the law said in the Bible prior to Jesus, Jesus was doing everything the wrong way. Was going against God in every way. And needed to be punished fully. And anyone after Jesus needed to be punished fully. That is, until he was on his way somewhere, was knocked off his horse, was confronted entirely and said, Why are you doing this to me? Why are you harming my people? And then Paul went from persecuting Christians to becoming a Christian to being persecuted for being a Christian. I can't imagine what that would do to your mind and your soul sitting in prison, knowing that you had gone through all of that. And if you had not switched, you could still be on the enforcement side and your life wouldn't be threatened. But because you switched, you're now going to proclaim how important it is. So I like that he says, I've not obtained nor arrived. I don't know, I bet you most of you have heard of Tiger Woods. But in the same number of you probably growing might have, might not have heard of Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is the newest amazing golfer in the world. Jordan played in 25 events this past year, won five, and was top 10 15 times. Jordan won two major tournaments out of four and finished in the top five in the other two. That's a career right there. That's what you would hope for right there. Done. Given all that, do you think he, if asked, is he the greatest golfer of all time, or will he be, what do you think Jordan would say? Well, if he's got a brain, which I know he does, I've seen him speak, he'd say, well, um, you know, we did some good stuff this year. We're still learning. Still striving. I'm going to go back out to the driving range. I'm going to go back out next year, and I'm going to try to improve on what I just did. Because that's what people who are looking to achieve great things are doing. They're not saying, oh, well, yep, I'm done. I've done everything I can possibly do. Any, I'm better than 99.9% .9 of any human that will ever play golf today. But he would say, I've not yet obtained nor arrived. I continue to strive. Paul is a perfectionist seeking to fully grasp every concept. Not for his own... Um, gain, but to share those concepts with others. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Did y'all get that? So when we baptized an infant last week in this service, we talked about loving that child before that child understands love. And continuing to love that child until the child understands love. And in loving that child, we better understand love because we can never stop learning about God's grace for us. He says, I'm going to try to take hold of that in the way Jesus has already taken hold of me. 
So the past six Saturdays for me have been very busy. And it's because I've been a leader in the um, Walk to Emmaus. I think sometimes, I think some have never heard of the Walk to Emmaus. I think some are weirded out by the Walk to Emmaus because they don't know um, exactly what happens when you go. And I think some, uh, I don't know. But the Walk to Emmaus is very simple. It's pulling you away from your church, your family, your job, your neighborhood, your phone, and your computer, and your watch. So that you can fully focus on the will of God in your life. The people are sharing it with you. And one of the great things you learn during the weekend is something that I talk about in this service all the time, which is God has already reached out to you, is simply your response to that reaching out. I was asked um, for two and a half years to go by a great leader at Buncombe Street, and for two and a half years I said, nope, can't do it, can't do that, we can. It's too busy, we got, too, so we got something to do, we got to do, we got to do that, we can't do this, can't do that. And he would say, fine. And then six months later he'd say, you're going right, and I can't do it. Six months later he'd say, you're going right. And then I went sort of, um, I'd say grumpy and burned out. Uh, ministers can get that way. And in the midst of it, whenever you are learning what loved ones have already done in your name, it's a heartwarming experience. Paul says, I'm responding for something that Jesus has already done for me. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's the great thing about experts in a field. They always say that they haven't learned enough yet. That's the tough thing about people who speak to experts in the field who think that they know everything because they speak to those experts in sort of a hostile way in front of a crowd. Because they think they've seen everything, they've heard everything, and they know everything about whatever the field is. And that expert will say, you know, I don't know everything, but I do know a great deal. The more you learn, the less you feel you've mastered. He says, I am going to continue to strive to take hold of it. He says, move on. I'm forgetting what is behind. You think it's harder to forget successes or failures. That's when you think trips you up more looking back. Failures, I guess you would think, uh, well, I gave it a shot. There's no way in the world I'm going to try that again because it didn't go well. Successes, uh, well, I've already done that. I don't know if I need to do that again. Both of them have potential to keep us um, from going forward and succeeding in the future. He says, I like the word straining. I'm straining towards what's ahead. I've talked to y'all before about Baxter, our uh, Dachshund-Bassett mix. We've never had a dog before. And we just celebrated having him a year. He's two years old. I take him for a walk in the neighborhood all the time. We go the same path every time. And what he has sniffed is not one 25th as important as what he has not yet sniffed. We have sniffed important things and lots of things, but I must 
continue to sniff. And we must go further. And I know, like I'm, I'm 6'3", someone 235, 240 range. I don't know, he's like 10 pounds. And sometimes we go sniff something because that, I mean, we are going to sniff this thing. He is straining. Got to. I have got to. And sometimes our got to, our straining wanes because we're tired or because we learned something last week or because somebody needs something over here or because we don't understand it. And I get that. Ministers uh, can be every bit what you are, maybe a little bit worse because we're in the midst of it. And like they say, teachers are the worst in teachers' meetings about talking. Ministers can be the worst about not straining because of something else that's going on. So last week I promised you that our church would do everything we could to give people opportunities to understand their faith better. Um, here in the building, uh, online, uh, in worship, in study, wherever, in uh, 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 Coffee Underground, whatever. But here in this text, it really helps me understand that it also takes your part, it takes my part of the willingness to want to learn. That desire in you to learn has to be there. And so if it's not there, I'll, tell, I'll encourage you and say if it's due to fatigue, if it's due to um, can't get there, if it's whatever it may be, I want you to think about what is the barrier that's causing me not to come together when we're all coming together to learn something in between Sundays. What's causing me not to strain to understand more and get it more? What's causing me to figure that I'm an expert on the subject and not try to figure out anything else? And Lord, how can you remove it for me? The last quote of the day is, The Apostle Paul wrote his instructions to the followers of Christ with encouragements to learn, grow, teach, and mature. He presents faith not as something static or a possession, or an all-or-nothing proposition, but rather as something we grow and we strive towards continuously. So, what can we do? To gain interest, to gain understanding, to gain wisdom, to gain humility, so that we can fully understand God's will for us and how we can impact the community. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your wisdom is wider and deeper than any ocean we can fathom. And at times we are intimidated by it. At times we feel we've heard it and we don't need to hear it again. At times we don't want to join together with a group. But Lord, we ask that you break our hearts, that you make our minds hungry that you give us the will and the spirit and the desire to learn more about you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our final hymn, number 557.
Be sure and support our pumpkin patch. The entire proceeds of the pumpkin patch is gonna go to buy a security system for our children to give them a safe uh, sticker for their parents and for them uh, anytime they're in the building. And now go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.